Recording this day of, it is 12.13 p.m. on September 14th. Our new moon is at 6.39 p.m. Pacific time tonight at 22, eh, 21 and 58, but almost 22 degrees of Virgo, so we'll count it as 22. And this is a really beautiful new moon. I'm going to get into the astrology a little bit, and then I will be sharing a collective tarot and oracle reading. But before I do that, I want to take a second to introduce myself because I'm posting this as both a podcast and also on YouTube today. And so I know that there are people definitely on YouTube who have absolutely no idea who I am, and this just shows up on their feed and they decide to hit play. So if that's you, hi, I'm Jana. I am based in the Pacific Northwest in the United States. I am an astrologer. I practice kind of a combination of humanistic and evolutionary astrology. Um, I've been technically practicing, like a practicing astrologer, for almost three years. No, it's less than that, just a couple of years. Um, but I've been studying astrology since 2018. Uh, more rigorously. And I last year finished an immersion course with Amanda Moreno of Aquarian Spirals in evolutionary astrology. My foundation was more so in humanistic, and I studied with the Portland School of Astrology under Amanda and J.P. Hawthorne, among other teachers. Um, and my current practice is is basically a fusion of the two, although I offer distinct readings that kind of take on a more humanistic versus evolutionary approach. Um, I'm also a tarot reader. I've been reading tarot for about the same amount of time since like 2018, 2017. Um, I am an Akashic Records reader. I've been working with the records since 2020. And I, what else? I'm psychic. I weave it's kind of indistinguishable for me when I work with the tarot when I work with astrology I sort of just naturally see charts and see cards through more of an intuitive lens and so that's the approach that I take with all of my readings really um, and I'm also a medium and that's not something that I talk about a lot because I'm still fairly kind of young in my journey with mediumship although I've been accessing it for a long time and aware of it for a long time. It's not something I offer as a service because I just have not received official mentorship or like training. And so I'm just not comfortable offering that yet, but I hope to soon. And sometimes I post ancestor messages or messages from past loved ones. You can find me on TikTok if you want to tune into those. Um, at Feeling Loudly, what else? What else? I feel like I need to give people a heads up that I am recording outside. And part of that is because I love recording outside and I just find it really calming and easier to talk when I'm outside. Partially it's because it's a new moon in Virgo and we have this beautiful grand earth trine between Pluto and Capricorn, um, the moon and the sun in Virgo and Uranus in Taurus. And then Jupiter is not too far away also in Taurus, but not close enough for me to technically consider it a part of this grand earth shrine. And for those of you who are less familiar with aspects and aspect patterns, what that means is that we have at least, we have a triangle formed between planets where there we have three 120 degree aspects between the planets which forms a visual of a triangle often they're all in the same element but not always um, but today's grand earth trine 
this week's Grand Earth Trine because it's a slow one um, that that is kind of we're in this energy for a little bit here. This one is in all three of the Earth signs, and it's also rounded out by Neptune and Pisces, which is forming in opposition to the sun and the moon and sextiles to Uranus and Taurus and Pluto and Capricorn. I forgot my words for a second. And so when we have a planet that's forming an opposition to one of the planets in a grand trine, we end up with a kite. And it looks like a kite. And I'll maybe drop a link to the like moon seek chart so you can look up what it actually looks like if you're more of a visual person and it's hard for you to follow the words that I'm saying. Um, but it's a pretty stunning image to see this pattern in a chart. Um, it's pretty stunning visual. And I feel like I, I've been off Instagram for a few weeks now for all of Mercury retrograde. And it's been really lovely. It's really changed my relationship with the platform, which was not super healthy before I decided to log off, um, just more compulsive and like hard to manage and stressful. And taking time off of Instagram this Mercury retrograde has really helped me identify the ways that I was maybe creating from a place of perfectionism. And that's been a long journey for me and a lot of people, you know, it's very common, especially under white supremacist capitalist culture. We tend to see perfection as a goal, whether it's conscious or unconscious. And Virgo is a sign that can struggle with this too. But something that's coming up on this new moon is the need for us to move toward acceptance and acceptance being sort of the antidote to perfectionism. I wouldn't say that it's like sloppiness or um, throwing all the rules out the window or like letting go of precision, which can be really important and valuable in all sorts of crafts and practices and studies, precision is really important. I mean, I'm an astrologer, and if it weren't for precision, the data that I look at would not be valuable. It would be very messed up <laughs> if the people, you know, and the systems, the people behind the systems didn't use precision when creating them. And so I think when we talk about perfectionism, sometimes there's this desire that we have to like again, go hard in the opposite direction and like produce something sloppy or again, throw the rules out, sort of like take more of, for lack of a better term, as sort of like anarchist approach to art, which can be awesome in its own right, but we need precision. And Virgo knows that. Virgo is a sign that understands that rigor is important and that some rules exist for a reason. And I think that on this new moon, part of the reason, to pick up the thread that I dropped, part of the reason I'm sitting outside is that I love to be surrounded by the sounds of my natural environment. And I, over the past couple years, have really begun to dislike highly polished things And I think in part that's because I was kind of moving in the other direction of perfectionism, trying to counteract it, trying to call in the mess of life, the mess of, of humanity and the mess of nature and the sort of like chaos that is reality. And there's some polished content and work that I really, really value like this morning, I finally got around to listening to this episode of the Emerald podcast called The Revolution Will Not Be Psychologized. And it's something that's come highly recommended. I've heard people talking about this. It's a two-part episode, and I only listened to the first one. But this is a podcast that is quite polished. You know, it's appears to be scripted. It's It weaves in really beautiful music and drumming. It's highly researched. It's really well done. And today I found myself 
really appreciating that. But interestingly, the content of the episode itself, which is basically a sort of like commentary on how in the Western psychological language that we've developed and sort of clung to in so many different spheres, we have distanced ourselves so much from what's natural, innate, and true. And and with that, we've lost a lot of ancestral wisdom and cultural wisdom. And this, it's a beautiful episode and I highly recommend going to listen to it. I'll drop it in the show notes and in the description on YouTube. Um, but it just like, I don't know, I'm, I'm swimming in all of this because I think that there's a lot coming up right now collectively about a return to the natural that can honor our sort of depth of wisdom, the wisdom that lives within us as animal bodies and beings connected to nature, born from nature, a part of nature, and also that like rigor and precision and order can help us to create the rituals that we need to actually protect all of that beautiful chaos. And so I think today is sort of about finding a unique balance Again, we have this beautiful aspect pattern, this kite. It looks clean. It is clean. We have these clean lines connecting the planets. Like, it's a very clean chart. And there's some other stuff happening, but like, you know, like a Venus-Jupiter square. But this beautiful kite is really, like, it's the eye-grabbing pattern in the chart. And it's what we're sitting in right now. And so that in itself, there's this sort of divine order that we see between these planets. And to speak to that a little bit more, we have Pluto and Capricorn in the final degrees of Capricorn, around 28 Cap right now, and retrograde. And Pluto will re-enter Aquarius early next year and begin its journey there again. Um... And Pluto and Capricorn is very destructive. And it brings us into the sort of chaos of the systems that we've been operating within and how there needs to be death and breakdown and destruction in order for us to build anew, in order in order for us to have a revolution in the first place. We often always need to destroy something. And that destruction can lead to creation. And so there's this like consciousness that we're trying to move towards still with Pluto and Cap as Pluto closes out its journey there. And then we have Uranus and Taurus, which is like kind of doing something similar. But for me, this Uranus and Taurus experience feels like it's so much about radically redefining our relationship to our resources. That was some delicious alliteration (laughs) if I do so say myself Um, radically redefining our relationship to our resources Uranus is radical and Taurus is about our material resources and the way that we connect to earth wisdom and the 3D the way we connect to our sensuality and using our sensuality as a sort of language to understand our bodies, to understand its needs, its desires, Taurus being a very sensual and materially oriented sign. And Uranus can also be connected to money and finances. And we've seen a lot of disruptions in our financial systems with Uranus and Taurus and with Pluto and Capricorn. And we've unearthed a lot of the, like, the ugliness in the systems that especially uh, the U.S. is built on and the history that the U.S. is built on. And then we look over to our sun and moon in Virgo, which feels like really sweet today. I'm I'm wanting to say like in sweet Virgo um, because it feels like Virgo being the sign that's so often helpful and a sign that really desires to be of service It feels like there's, I just see this sort of like open armed, like the sun and the moon, the luminaries sort of like pointing to these other corners of this grand trine and almost wanting to like hold hands, (laughs) 
in a little circle. Like, that's kind of what it looks like. It looks like we have three people, or four, with the sun and the moon kind of, like, holding hands and forming a triangle between them. And so when I call in that image and that visual, what comes to mind for me is, like, what are they agreeing on? What is the sort of sacred pact that's being made between the Earth signs and between these outer planets and the luminaries on this day? And because the sun and the moon move far faster than those other two, and this is just a temporary moment where the sun and the moon meet in the sky and form this relationship to these other planets and initiate a new cycle, it has me thinking about what spark, what new idea, what new commitment we're making on this new moon to be in right relationship with our resources and with, you know, the sort of breakdown of the capitalist systems that we're sort of seeing occurring in this like long, like death croak that you might call apocalyptic. And how we are redefining, again, our relationship to our resources and what that means about what new commitments we want to make about the way that we ritualize our lives. I rolled the astrodice to kind of dig into what I wanted the core theme of this episode or I don't know. I feel weird calling it an episode because it's not just on um, podcast version today. We also have it on YouTube. But the archetypes that came up are Cancer, the Sixth House, and the Sun. And so those three together talk to me about how we are pouring our energy, Sun, into nurturance, Cancer through ritual sixth house and how we can commit to rituals that sustain ourselves and in turn sustain the communities and the systems and the people and the natural environments that we live around and so that could be like really material and really practical and probably really mundane the sixth house can be mundane But Virgo is a sign that recognizes that the mundane can also be mystical and it can be magical and that the difference, in my opinion, of between a ritual and a routine is just that a routine is just lacking magical intention, whereas a ritual has some type of spiritual, spiritually oriented, at least, element to it where we set off and we do something in an effort to connect with something bigger than ourselves. And often that looks really mundane. It looks like refilling the water on the altar. It looks like um, cleaning up the surface where we place sacred objects. It looks like dabbing the oil on our skin, lighting the candle, saying the prayer. And sometimes these are taxing Because, you know, if you're someone who engages in ritual yourself, you know that it's not just as as simple as, like, repeating something out loud and then calling it quits and moving on. It's very – it requires a lot of energy because intention requires more energy. And part of, like, when we think about manifestation, for example, which is kind of like a key word that people associate with new moons, um, what are you manifesting? It's really about what are what kind of energy are you pouring into an intention? Because that energy doesn't disappear. It goes somewhere. And often how, how well we adorn a space or how, like, um, how elaborate our altar is is not the true measure of the sort of energetic payoff (laughs) I don't like using that word here but like the sort of um, consequence whether it's posi or somewhere of other on the spectrum Often it's more about the intention that we set and how much energy we pour into that intention. You can have an ugly ass altar. It's all subjective. It can be super plain. It can have no like fancy objects on it. And your magic could be 10 times, 100 times more powerful if your intention is clear and true. 
And the same thing applies for the rituals that we create our life around. We can create elaborate rituals and have them just be kind of empty. We can create simple rituals and have them be so, so powerful because of the intention that we imbue into them. And so I say all this to kind of bring us back to the energy of this kite. Again, with Neptune and Pisces involved at, um, at 26 degrees Pisces, opposite our sun and moon and sextile Uranus and Pluto. And I don't know if I mentioned this already, but Jupiter is also like kind of in the mix there, also in Taurus, but a little bit outside of the orb that I would use for this pattern. And it feels like at this moment, there's this really important and resounding invitation for us to return to a language that might not be documented, that might not be taught, that might not be oral. Because it's more of a felt language that we just understand when we connect with the divine and when we connect with nature and we connect with earth spirits. That could mean like the energetic feeling that you get when you place your palm on a tree trunk. It could mean the sound of leaves crunching beneath your foot as you walk down a street in fall. It could mean the feeling of the sun on your skin. It could mean the weight of a stone in your hand. All of these are language. And it's a language that I think some people, yes, are more attuned to and can more easily access. And we could say that that's a product of their birth charts, their culture, um, the way that they were raised, their environment. It doesn't really matter because we all do have access to it. It's just that we access that language in different ways because we each have our own unique language. And yes, we're tapping into a collective language, one that's been forgotten in many places, but one that I think we're collectively relearning, especially through indigenous wisdom. And as we sort of like just move deeper into the end of this calendar year, as we move into fall in the northern hemisphere and close out summer here, I feel this like gentle shedding that's happening where we're peeling back layers of untruths and getting closer to ourselves and in, in doing so getting closer to spirit whatever spirit means to you, however you define spirit. And part of that process is through ritual. It's about coming back to ourselves and coming back to our world. There's a fly buzzing around my head. Um, on a consistent basis and with intention. And so there's this really deep feeling right now that Neptune is providing an access point for us to tune into this language that can again be sort of like undescribable. And in my last episode on the full moon in Pisces, I was trying to talk about Neptune and Pisces. And instead of doing that, I just offered like 60 seconds of silence for people to just tune into the sounds in their environment and to tune into whatever came up sounds, sights, smells, because that is the truth. And maybe this sounds really obscure and like, woo, but that is the truth. There's really no other truth than, than what we are experiencing in this moment of our world. And 
again, it's hard to talk about it. <laughs> and I feel like I'm failing at it. Um, but I hope I'm sort of communicating something that people are un- intuitively grabbing onto here. Um, that it's important for you to understand and begin to trust yourself and to appreciate the sort of unique and beautiful chaos of the world that you live in while also appreciating the precision that helps you make some sense of it or appreciate it. It's like seeing that chart, seeing that new moon chart helps me tune into the mystical. Those angles, those perfect lines help me access the sort of messy divine chaos of this moment. And so to bring that all back around before we move into our tarot and oracle reading, Virgo is a sign that ultimately helps us discern. And we all have Virgo in our charts, whether or not we have planets or angles in Virgo. We all contain Virgo within us. And in this moment, I feel like we're making choices about what is truly important to us and sort of engaging in that gentle shedding, which is very, Pluto is usually not super gentle, but it is such a slow moving planet that it's subtle often until it makes a gnarly aspect to a planet or a point or, you know, meets with, um, yeah, meets with, with another big hitter in hard aspect. Pluto is subtle. Pluto brings on gradual, slow changes. And they're disruptive and deep, really, really deep and often subconscious. But at this moment, it's feeling more like a gentle shedding. And so taking this opportunity to set an intention again for how you want to be in relationship with the material world is probably the sweetest act, spiritual act that you could take or action that you could take on this new moon in Virgo. Okay, that's all of my astro rambles. Let's get to our cards. All right, so I always pull three tarot cards on new and full moons, and I ask, what is the anchor? And that's basically like, what is the overall energy that we're kind of sinking into? And then I ask, what is our collective challenge? What are we moving through? What is coming up and requiring some attention? And then what is our gift? What's a gift that is available to us on this new moon? So today I'm using the Lilifer Tarot, And our anchor card is the Page of Pentacles. For those of you watching, I'm holding this a little bit closer so you can see it. The Page of Pentacles is the youngest of the court cards. We have the Page, the Knight, the Queen, and then the King. And so the Pages often represent a more like youthful figure, someone who's kind of just setting out on this journey with this particular element, in this case, earth, pentacles or earth. And the page of pentacles in this deck is holding a pentacle and they're walking, looks like slowly, and there's a flower by their side and a little, looks like a dog or maybe even a wolf that's right by their side. And we have these rainy clouds overhead. And then we see the symbol for earth. And... It feels like this energy of gentleness that I mentioned, where it's like gentle intention, is what this page of pentacles is setting off with. That's like the pentacle that they're holding, is this pure intention that they have. They're initiating a new cycle, walking forward, understanding that there's a lot that they have to learn. Because again, the page is young, and the page is setting off on a path But they're sort of opening their eyes to the world and specifically the material world. And so I kind of like to think about this page like initiating a mentorship with an herbalist, let's say, because that's very Virgo. 
it's like this page is walking to their first day of this like herbal immersion. And they know that there's a lot of learning and wisdom ahead of them, and they're open to receiving that. And so I think that is the energy that we're invited to step into right now is sort of being in humility, which is very Virgonian, recognizing our limits and developing our discernment, especially when it comes to a specific craft, a specific discipline, a specific language, a study, a commitment to gardening, to cooking, like something that feels very earthy and material. It feels like we are setting off on a path and this could be a path we've been on for a long time, but maybe we're restarting or maybe we're setting off with new perspective with a sort of like learner's mindset or beginner's mindset. Our challenge for this lunar cycle is the four of pentacles, also earth. And in this deck, we see this, like, almost, they kind of look like an octopus, like a human, I don't know, mystical octopus with, like, just four arms and hands at the end of those arms that are reaching down and grabbing hold of these pentacles. And there's this little red, the, the octopus-like figure is blue, and then there's this, like, little red figure that seems to be contained within a bubble between this figure's arms and up above we have lightning and storm clouds again and then we have two dogs at the bottom and these flowers that are growing up toward their hands and so the four of pentacles is often about security and material security or physical security but sometimes it can be about control it can be about hoarding resources because we're so afraid to lose what we've acquired and when I really look at this card I see that that little protected seemingly protected red figure that's in a bubble looks like pretty happy and more like carefree they almost look like a little baby or something and then the figure that's like holding the pentacles the octopus like figure looks really sad and so while this figure who's encased in this bubble seems like they're sort of looking forward with optimism, there's this, what feels like an older, more protective figure that's really cynical. And so what this comes, what this brings up for me, and this is a cap card for what it's worth, a Capricorn card, sun and cap. Um, what this brings up for me is that there's a part of us within that's really hopeful and a part of us that is maybe in the eyes of our like critical mind more naive and that's the like controlling part of us that wants to keep everything safe secure in order perfect and then there's this more free part of us that we're maybe holding within us that wants to explore, that wants to experience the world, that wants to go smell those flowers, to go play with those dogs. But there's this sort of like parent-like figure that we've developed in order to stay safe that keeps us stony and more closed off. And this is the part of us that often suppresses the voice and the expression of maybe the playful inner child that lives within us, or maybe just the freedom seeker or the creative that lives within us. And it reminds me a lot of the relationship between maybe like a suffocating or oppressive parent and a small child who sees the world with wonder. And so the feeling I'm getting is that on this new moon, we're kind of like exploring that polarity between those two. And maybe it's a matter of giving this super protective, maybe hyper vigilant part of ourselves some reassurance. And when I say reassurance, I mean like of safety, because that's their ultimate priority is how can I stay safe? How can we secure things? How can we like shore up our foundation? And so maybe there's a part of you that needs reassurance right now that you can take care of yourself without being stony and cynical, 
Maybe there's a part of you that needs reassurance that you can also be free and like childlike and playful and curious without being taken advantage of. Because we often might swing between the two, you know? I heard, I was listening to a reading last night and they were talking about this sort of like queen of swords who can act as the protector for maybe this like page of cups and this part, and, and this feels like a similar energy between these two figures as I look at them visually. It's like we have this queen of swords who can be really discriminating, really discerning, really like kind of cold at times, um, or at least looks like that on the surface. This is like the queen of swords would be the queen who has like resting bitch face of, of the four of them and is more difficult to access. Whereas the Page of Cups is like the most romantic of the pages and, you know, has this like wondrous sort of magical way of being and of relating to the world. And so when you put those two together, sometimes it creates tension. And so you might be noticing the parts of yourself that are acting up and maybe causing each other fear or reacting to each other with fear. So maybe they each need reassurance and some permission. And maybe they each have their own unique needs that need to get met too. Finally, our gift for this new moon in Virgo is the world in reverse. The world is connected to all four fixed signs of the zodiac so Taurus Leo Scorpio and Aquarius but this card is technically connected to Saturn and this card looks like it's very fantastical we have this sort of like cyclone in the sky that we see these figures in we see eyes they're like these arrows and houses and it has a sort of childlike like it almost looks like it, a child could have drawn this, parts of it at least, because we have like little houses that are sort of haphazardly drawn, it almost looks like crayon. And then the center, which is like more, um, kind of looks like more, I guess, advanced. And so it feels like it's this continuation of what I was just talking about and that there's something with the world reverse that feels incomplete. Like there's maybe a lesson that we haven't yet learned and we're getting pulled back into the cyclone of experience in order to maybe re-experience something so that we can kind of finally glean the wisdom from it that we may have missed the first or second or third or fourth time around. And so this feels apt as we're about to close out Mercury retrograde. And I will say this has been one of the more challenging Mercury retrogrades I've experienced um, it's been tough and because I haven't been super online in the way that I usually am, I haven't seen other people's accounts of it. So I'm curious if you feel like sharing about your experience, you can comment, um, on YouTube or you can like leave a comment on Spotify if you're listening on Spotify. But I feel like this cyclone is sort of drawing us back into the sort of ultimate lesson that surfaced for us throughout this Mercury retrograde, which ends tomorrow, the day after the new moon, Mercury stations, and we'll be retracing, we'll be in the shadow period where Mercury is retracing its steps through the same degrees of Virgo that it was retrograding back over. And so this feels like an opportune moment for us to consider like, oh, I've been here before. Oh, maybe I'm having a deja vu experience because like I've already gone through this and I don't quite need to relearn this. I just need to bring new discernment to this situation and maybe make a different conscious choice instead of maybe reacting in the way that I used to. It's about making a new choice choosing to behave differently, ending some type of cycle. So the gift, since this is our gift, is that we get that opportunity. The gift might be that we're presented with a chance to show ourselves how much we've grown and that we're given a chance to show ourselves the wisdom that we've gained from, sure, this Mercury retrograde journey, but just also from like life, 
Like, what have we come to learn in this very Saturnian way? And how can we now close out a cycle that's been begging to be closed out for a while? Okay, so those are our three biggies. I'm going to turn to our oracle cards, which I haven't really formulated thoughts about yet. I'm going to take a sip of tea first. Okay, sip complete. So I'm going to start with the Reclaim Oracle, which is by the same creator of the tarot deck I'm using, uh, Little Darkness. I love them. You should definitely check them out. So I don't know what to make of this. Our, our Reclaim Oracle card that's coming up is Hate. And visually, this card has a figure that is very on edge. And it, wow, this actually reminds me so much of the Four of Pentacles because we have a figure that's encased within them that feels like a victim. They are covering their eyes and they're pointing the finger at something outside of them. And then this bigger figure that they're encased within has these like sharp talon nails and they're looking in that direction with absolute hatred. And there's a, there are three fires that are burning, one on each shoulder and one between their legs on the ground. And so this is bringing up this feeling and I'll read from the guidebook, which contains really lovely poetic messages. Um, but the feeling I'm getting here is that there is maybe something that we're pointing to outside of ourselves and throwing fire at. And similar to, again, what I said with the four of pentacles about this, like, relationship between these two parts there are similarly these parts of us where one is pointing the finger because they're afraid and because maybe they feel hurt one is sort of um and they're in this more like passive position and then one is ready to aggress it's ready to maybe take some type of action to protect defend secure etc and so maybe at times our desire for security leads us to hate those who might threaten that security and if not people it could be like circumstances it could be like deep angst and hatred for the circumstances that we find ourselves in it could be hatred for groups organizations um and there's something that needs to be like buried in a ritualistic way like, what are you ready to lay to rest? Is the hatred that's bubbling within you helping you? Remember, that's a good Virgo question. Is this helpful? Is this actually helping? Or is this actually hurting me while not creating real change? So let me just go ahead and read the guidebook. <laughs> um Okay, hate is when fear fills my belly and wakes up the child that was asleep in the dark. The child says, protect me, and my mouth opens to let the fear out. It grows into a giant that breaks everything it touches and spreads fear everywhere it goes. So really, again, this is speaking to that aspect of fear, how our hatred is born from our fear we act with hatred when we are afraid and often we're afraid when there's something that's dear to us that's threatened and so if that's something that you're experiencing and you're noticing yourself hating feeling hatred is there a way that you can be with the fear that's underlying that hatred okay and our i pulled from our modern nirvana oracle and in a very cool way, I got discernment as our card. And so I know some people don't love just listening to me read. I always see people in like, on like YouTube dropping off as soon as I start reading something. Um, since, so I've been thinking like maybe I should not do that, but I don't know. It's valuable. So you can just skip ahead. You can, you can jump ahead if you don't want to listen to me read. Um, but I'm going to read from the guidebook for this. So again, this is from the modern Nirvana Oracle and the card discernment, starting with a quote from 
Um, I don't know how to pronounce this. I'm sorry, but it looks like Sogyal Rinpoche, the Tibetan book of living and dying, which I've heard is wonderful. You don't actually become a Buddha. You simply cease slowly to be deluded. And being a Buddha is not being some omnipotent spiritual Superman, but becoming at last a true human being. Okay, starting the actual description here, when we are called to reflect on the idea of discernment, we're asked to seek presence and exercise good judgment in mind, body, and spirit. But how do we know what is good or bad when it comes to our choices and actions? What is good or bad when it comes to our judgments? What is truly good or bad, not just subjectively, but objectively speaking? How do we harmonize the various aspects of our human vessel so that we can think, feel, and be our very best? Working on our ability to listen, observe, observe, and absorb allows us to integrate information from a holistic point of view. By transcending reactivity and emotion, we can find a relationship with equanimity or the state of overall mental calmness. If we view good as a positive outcome of any experience we are flowing through, equanimity can present itself as the evolved result. The classic Mahayana Buddhist teaching on Dharma, the three vessels, uses three pots as a visual analogy for the importance of listening and retaining how we process and receive information through our metaphorical vessels. The upside-down pot asks us to remember to listen to life's teachings without distraction or assumption, so we can fully absorb the lesson at hand. The pot with a hole reminds us of the importance of integrating what we listen to instead of letting information leak out without being retained, embodied, and practiced. The poison pot tells us to keep an open mind and heart free from projection and what in Buddhism is called the five poisons, which are attachment, aversion, ignorance, jealousy, and pride. When discernment shows up as a teacher, remembering the three vessels and connecting to their lessons can allow stability and graceful composure to make its way into your heart, even through the most challenging of situations. Transmuting the poisons into a precious perspective allows non-attachment, open-heartedness, wisdom, compassion, and humility to emanate from our presence and flow forward to all of the lives we touch with this loving awareness. And there's a mantra here if you want to use this. I am committed to unifying with the most authentic expression of loving awareness. I am aware that integration is integral to maintaining this embodiment of truth. I listen, I hear, and I fully understand. Okay, and then I'm going to end with, oh, I'll hold this up for people on YouTube to see. Here's our discernment card. And then finally, I pulled one card from the Wild Unknown Alchemy deck by Kim Kranz. And the card is Summer. Which is cool because we are in summer in the northern hemisphere. And so this card is connected to fullness, vitality, and sensuality. I'm not going to read the whole guidebook because that's just a lot of reading and my throat's getting scratchy, to be honest. And I want to close this down. <laughs> um, but I will share the recommendations here. So, or the little like, little side notes on this deck so it says summer is the season of fire if this card appears with other hot cards take note the work may be in need of cooling and anchoring kind of reminds me of the hate message recall a summer memory put pen to page and write about it for a few moments fill the page quickly letting the wave of summer sensations wash through you and to go deeper, you can watch the movie Call Me By Your Name and to ponder all that is ripening. So maybe that means what's ripening within you, what's ripening around you, literally, like the fruit on the trees, like the tomatoes on the vine. Maybe it's appreciating the sort of natural wonders of the earth on this Virgo full moon, having a juicy peach, eating an heirloom tomato having a glass of wine on the balcony or sitting outside if you don't have a balcony and just enjoying the sort of like sensual experience of this moment. 
So there is like, I'm just seeing one highlighted line here in the description that says, so revel in this time of ripening and rhythm, celebrate, gather, connect. And again, come back to our anchor here, the page of pentacles. What can you enjoy by not trying to be an expert on it? What can you enjoy more fully and be present with more fully by not trying to know all the answers? There's so much discernment that comes with recognizing our limitations, the limitations to our own knowledge, our own skills, and being humble. Our arrogance can lead us into disaster at times, especially if we're trying to be an authority on something that we're not an authority on. And so I don't know if that's relevant to people out there, but it's definitely been something that I've been chewing on as I think about what I offer and how I show up as a practitioner and acknowledging my knowledge and my experience and what I'm not knowledgeable and experienced in and allowing people to like opt in and make their own choices based on that. It's important. It's something that I've Ooh, a bee is, is flying around me right now. We've had a lot of insects in this reading, which is cool. Pollinators. Okay, so that's all I've got today. I hope this is helpful. Please do comment. And if you're not already following me on whatever platform you're listening to, please do. It makes a really big difference as... I kind of grow my practice and, and develop. And if you want to like, if you want to rate, if you want to comment, all of that is super welcome too, as well as sharing. If you'd like to book a personal reading, you can find the link to do so down in the description and my link tree. I offer astrology readings, tarot readings, Akashic Records readings. And um, I think that's it. You can follow me on social too, at Feeling Loudly. Okay. I'm holding you all in my heart and hoping that this new moon for you offers some degree of acceptance and that you find some semblance of peace, whatever it is that you're going through, and that you can tune into that universal language that we talked about, kind of find your own unique access point to the language of the land. All right. Have a beautiful new moon. Bye.